Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. What a gift that anthem was. It was an anthem that was inspired by our scripture this morning. So it's one of those special Sundays when we get to serve up scripture two ways. And I love the name of it, uh, We Are Called. You know, it, it reminds us that how we interact with each other and how we interact in the world as students or employees, as volunteers or retirees, really matters. I mean, the specifics of how we do that is going to vary over time. We have different jobs or hobbies or activities. But call is for everyone, male and female and non-binary, the very young to the very old, differently abled bodies and brains. Everybody is called by God. And we've actually engaged in a completely unintentional sermon series on call. It started when um, our guest preacher, Pastor Tracy, came and started taking us through a lot of call narratives in the Bible. That day we had the phone and we talked to the children about getting a call from God. And our co-moderator wrote a great article on call and how she experiences that. You might have to look back a few weeks in your inbox for that, but it's worth it. Last week we celebrated the great cloud of witnesses and were reminded to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. In other words, persevere in our mutual call to live out love, compassion, and mercy in action. It's a call for each one of us. And today brings us to another dimension of call. I'm looking right at Don Allspaugh because it actually comes in the form of a lawsuit. (laughs) It would really make for a great short play or an episode of Judge Judy. You know, if you've ever driven a long distance, you've probably come across the billboard that says, Don't make me come down there, and it's signed from God. Well, God comes down right smack in the middle of a courtroom. And the premise for the lawsuit was a breach of covenant. Covenant, as you may recall, is an agreement between God and God's people. We're going to celebrate covenant next week when we welcome new members. The people were being indicted for dishonest trade and greed, the marks of a disintegrated society. And this is not an indictment of individuals but rather an entire nation, a nation that was fragmented and fractured. Carol Mathis Craft is going to, we're going to do an interplay with scripture this morning. So Carol, thanks for coming up. And I'm just going to introduce the verses and then she's going to read them. So the first one um, 
first person on the scene, if you will, is the prophet Micah. And he introduces the case. And he enjoins the mountains, the hills, and the foundations of the earth to serve as holy listeners, to serve as primordial witnesses. Carol, read verse 1 for us. Hear now what God is saying. Up, state your case to the mountains. Let the hills hear your plea. And then God, who is the plaintiff, begins to speak in verse 3. Verse 3 to 5, Carol. O my people, what have I done to you? Tell me how I have wearied you. Answer me this. I brought you up from Egypt. I ransomed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to lead you. Remember, my people, what Balak, king of Moab, schemed against you, and how Balaam, son of Bor, answered him. Consider the journey from Shittim to Gilgal, in order that you may know the triumph of the Lord. So God's saying, "I've, I've done my part. Listen. Examine your relationships and your lives and what are the times when you have been brought through challenges. God's saying, my hand was there to deliver you, to help you, to give you strength. And then the nation, represented in one person, responds with a series of questions and these questions are filled with exaggeration of what would have been a normal or known practice. You know, the offering of sacrifices was something that was common in ancient days. But let's listen to the response in verse 6 and 7. What shall I bring when I approach God? How shall I stoop before God on high? Am I to approach God with whole offerings or yearling calves? Will God accept thousands of rams or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my eldest son or daughter for my own wrongdoing, my children for my own sin? Hmm. Can you just picture that? What do you want from me? You want all my animals? You want my firstborn? What? What do you want from me? And then Micah returns as the narrator, and this is known by some as the golden text, the universal rule, the good for all people and all time. And it draws upon the great moral values of the Hebrew Bible for life and community. You want to know what God wants? God has told you what is good, and what is it that God asks of you? Only to act justly, to love loyalty, to walk wisely before your God. Thank you, Carol. So it really wasn't the stuff, right? It was the character put into action. Say it with me. Do justice. Do justice. Love kindness. Love kindness. Walk humbly. 
Other translations have said, instead of do do justice, right judgment, or be fair, just, and merciful. Love kindness is also translated as love mercy. Walk humbly as humble thyself. We spent a little time on humility a few weeks ago. talked about the root word being humus, which means earth, and those knee-to-the-ground moments. If you don't know what humility is yet, it will come to you and find you when you least want it. But it was also a reminder that we are breath and we are dirt. That's the humility. That's the commonness of each person and each, each creature. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. There's a connection between kindness and right judgment and justice. Kindness can be as simple as do no harm. You know, in scouting, they teach you leave a place better than you find it. In personal relationships, we need to be attuned to not doing harm. And I've been shocked in my life at how easy it is to offend. Never on purpose, but offense can come easily. And so being able to look at um, the effects of a conversation or the effects of an action. Right judgment and justice is best judged best marked by the effect of the ones on the margins or the ones in your sphere of influence. Like I was just saying, you know, there was a a moment when I was a swim coach. I was a leader much too early in life. Um, At the age of 18, I was coaching children from the age of 5 to 17. Uh, There was a lot I didn't know. And a young child came up to me to let me know. She skipped up to me at the pool and said, hey, I'm going to a birthday party on Sunday. She was so happy. I'm like, what? You're not going to be at the swim meet? And she walked away with her head down. And I only know this because my mentor came up to me and said, what did you say to that young child? And I said, well, she came up to tell me she wasn't going to be at the swim meet. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you're not going to be at the swim meet? She goes, did you see how she looked when she walked away? I said, no. And so she told me. And that's how I started to learn about kindness and not doing harm. How did you learn? What were some of your lessons? You know, when people are hungry, justice and kindness looks like food. Comes in a can, on a plate, it's food. When people are ill, justice and kindness looks like health care, readily available. People who are experiencing homelessness, kindness and justice looks like shelter, place to stay. When people are feeling isolated, justice and kindness looks like community. The heart of God's complaint, of God's concern, was that greed and dishonesty had taken over. 
greed and dishonesty, the more for me and mine mentality, which I see as competitive. Competition requires an opponent, which is really fun in pickleball and really fun in sports. But when it takes over, it fragments and it fractures. Like when Boston fans and New York fans can't exist in the same row. And the movement from an opponent to an enemy allows for even more destruction. And that's when we really lose track of opponents being for sport and for fun and short-lived. But enemies, that takes on a life of its own. It creates a distance and a depersonalization. You know the phrase, it's just business, it's not personal. Don't take it personally, just business. It's not personal impairs our understanding of justice and fairness and kindness and humility. The life of covenant is deeply personal. It's one that requires of us here in this community to value relationships over rules. We can approach dogma with expansiveness of interpretation for the greater good. That's what it meant to this congregation to become open and affirming. You embraced expansiveness. When you created access for wheelchairs, you created expansiveness and access. Not requiring people to take a test of faith allows for expansiveness. I think what is at the worst part of this distance and depersonalization is what we do to our image of God. You know, it's, I heard this once where someone said, you know, the Lord's Prayer traditional version, Our Father who art in heaven, please stay there. (laughs) Yeah, because what if God was here? Then what would we say? I have to tell you, I, I'm going to share with you my call story, which happened uh, while I was on a silent retreat. I was in my late 20s, and I had been silent for several days. I mean, I only snuck out one time to see the movie Rudy, but it was really meaningful. And um, it brought up a lot of important insights for me, so I justified that. But more importantly, after all that time of silence, I was on the beach in Rhode Island, and there were some large rocks that were coming up out of the water. And I suddenly had one of those moments of like, you know, what do you want from me, God? And I was actually taking smaller rocks and throwing it at the bigger rock because I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier and saying things like, you know, people are telling me that uh, who I am is 
um, is a sin and I'm, you know, not going to be part of the beloved community and I have to change who I am because I'm gay. And uh, it was a it was a really messy, you know, like snot and tears and, you know, swear words. And it was just a mess. But at the underneath that, at the end of all that ranting and raving and complaining, you know, they say that you said blah, 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 blah. At the end of all of that, what I heard was, that's not me. That's not me. Go and tell others about the me you know, about the God you know. That's my call story. That's why the expansiveness of this church really mattered. Because everyone who walks in these doors needs to know that no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're welcome here. And we will hold this container and this space for you to experience God. Because all the contemplatives will say, if you have never had an experience of God, check back in time and learn to recognize and identify it as an experience of God. Where the words, do justice, love kindly, walk humbly, are spoken by one who sits close and says, this is all I'm asking of you. You don't have to be first in your class. You don't have to amass great wealth. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to drive in the ice and the snow, unless you're a reader. (laughs) Just... Be who you are at your core, and I know what you are at your core because I created you. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly. That's why we gather. And, and the tunes, there was a song written by Christopher Williams called Gather. And this is what he says. To be known and feel safe. To be honest and unafraid. To leave the past, run into hope. To find together we are not alone. I need you. You need me. This is why we gather. To remember why we matter. This is why we gather. That's what it means to be community and to live in covenant. And we gather to acknowledge the one who gathers us. The one who is beyond knowing and naming. And that acknowledgement we call prayer. And several of our community members this morning have agreed to uh, offer their prayers. I'm going to ask them to come forward now, each in turn, to offer our prayers of the people. Please, come on up. What's the matter?
No, we're not going to do the music till after the prayer. Yeah, thanks. Remember, bulletins are just a guide. <laughs> Don't believe everything you read. So let us join hearts and minds in the spirit of prayer. Beloved, remind me again today that there are no bad people and work through me to ease their pain. And when I have no more words, I will sit with you, for you are fluent in my silence. Father, Mother God, today we ask you to reach out with caring arms to enfold all those men and women who have served and continue to serve in our nation's military. Give them strength for the day's challenges and grace and courage as they deal with the past and look to the future. And now be with us all that we may provide the beloved community to help our servicemen and women leave their wars behind and return to us. God, we trust you are everywhere. Please be especially with victims of violence, those who are bored or overwhelmed, and leaders everywhere. Inspire us with your spirit of love and cooperation. O Holy One, Creator of Love, on a day when we could have sat in front of the big picture window, drinking a cup of coffee or hot chocolate, and watching the beautiful snow come down, we nonetheless chose to come here today because of our love for you and our love for each other. And on this 100th anniversary of the end of the war to end all wars, we confess our failure to be peacemakers. We thank those who served and who now serve. And for many of us who served, we are thankful for the opportunity to have served. Almighty God, thank you for this past Tuesday, our election day, when we had the privilege of of voting, the privilege that's guaranteed by the service and sacrifice of our veterans. Men like my father, Tommy, my uncle, Bud, my uncle, Eddie, came back from World War II, raised families, raised sons, boys I grew up with, like Bob and Rusty and Sam, who also answered that call and had died in Vietnam. Help us, God, to uh, make ourselves worthy of the sacrifices they made by the choices we make on those election days. Thank you, God. Please continue to bless this church, this wonderful church community, our state, our country, and our neighbors around the world. Help us to see in each other 
your light and goodness that shines in people of all nations so there may be peace on earth. Beloved, go forth to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly. And when you go, wherever you go, may the love of God enfold you. May the peace of Christ fill you. And may the communion and community of the Holy Spirit encourage you this very moment and in every moment to come. And let us say together, Amen. Amen.